today, Lord. We thank you for keeping us today and for the blessings we've already received this day. Now we ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and we ask that your spirit come and lead us into all truth and that we glean principles of truth from this lesson that we can apply to our lives. And then, Lord, I pray that this lesson, this word will come alive to us and will remain in us and with us, Lord, that we may be better uh, witnesses for you, better stewards for you, better servants for you in all things, and especially in the things that we're reading about today. And bless us uh, the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to share this on my social media. So now would be a good time if you choose to do so, to do that also. So take a moment and share. Okay. All right. Um, as I said, we're studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 110, and that chapter is titled The Health Institute. And we've read somewhat about the Health Institute in some of the prior chapters. Uh, but here we are again, reading about the Health Institute. And she had mentioned in some of the prior chapters that she was going to bring it up again. So here we are back to the Health Institute again. And um, she, she mentions that, of course, she had spoken about the importance of, of our church establishing an institution for the benefit of the sick. She said, and especially for the suffering and the sick among us. And she said that um, basically our people, meaning the members of our church, have the means to do this, meaning the financial means to do this. And she said, in view of the importance of this branch of the great work of preparation to meet the Lord with gladness of heart, our people should feel themselves called upon according to their ability, meaning according to their means, according to their financial uh, situation, to put a portion of their means into such an institution. And she says she's also pointed out, as they were shown to her, some of the dangers to which the physicians, the managers, and others would be exposed in the prosecution or the going forward of such an enterprise. But she did hope that, that some of the dangers would be avoided. But, you know, she, she enjoyed that hope only for a short time uh, and, and saw and began to suffer disappointment and grief. So, um, and, and we know, we know as Seventh-day Adventist Christians that, you know, the devil is constantly on the warpath, and, and if we're trying to do what's right and trying to forge ahead uh, on the Lord's ground, that we're going to be under attack, and we're going to be under constant attack by the enemy. And he's going to lay, he's going to put obstacles in our path. He's going to lay, uh, uh, what, what do they call them in, in war? Uh, those things that if you step on them, they detonate. Um, Yes, landmines. He's going to just do all kind of things and have pits for us to fall into that are covered up. You know how they cover them up with leaves and stuff so you don't see them. And just all kind of things to, to hinder our progress towards what God has, has for us to do. Um, but um, 
she said in the next paragraph that she had taken a great interest in the health reform and she had high hopes for the prosperity of it. And she just felt the responsibility of speaking to others in the name of the Lord concerning the health institute and the duty of others to furnish the necessary means. And she had watched the progress of the work with great interest. And then when she saw those who had managed and directed it running into the dangers that she had already been shown and of which she had already warned them in public and also in private conversations, she said a terrible burden came upon her. And that place had been shown her as a place where the sick and, which had been shown her as a place where the sick and suffering could come uh, and could be helped. Um, was one where sacrifice, hospitality, faith, and piety should be the ruling principles. But what did she say actually the place turned out to be? Anybody? What was your question again, Karen? So she, she, she says that she had hoped and, and, and wanted that place to be a place where the suffering and the sick could be helped and that it would be a place where sacrifice, hospitality, faith, and piety would be the ruling principles. But what did that place actually turn out to be? I think she said it, and I'm not sure if it's in this paragraph, that it was about, it was turning out to be a popular uh, museum or amusement, something to that effect. That was one of them, but let's look at- um, yeah, She pointed out too that the people were, had a spirit of compromise and they started getting greedy of money and gain. And she okay, said that I got she saw that blessing that God had planned, but this is another thing totally mm. different. Right, right. And um, yeah, it was about money. Okay. Right. It became about money. It became about stock. It became about promising that if you bought stock in the place, you would receive a huge return on the money. And so rather than helping the sick it was more about lining your own pockets that's what it became about for for those who were giving and so it wasn't a spirit of self-sacrifice it wasn't a spirit of generosity it was a spirit of covetousness basically let me see how i can make money off of the lord mm -hmm. you know and it was a lot of compromise which brings up this, <clears throat> I remember when we went to one of the Adventist hospitals years ago, long time ago, you know, and, and we were all proudly walking around saying, wow, this is really big. You know, we read about this in the magazines and stuff and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then come to find out that they were serving bacon for breakfast. And we was like, why are y'all serving What kind bacon? of bacon? Bacon. Elder, Elder Carol, they want, it was pork bacon? Yeah, because we was like, why are oh. you bacon to these people? And we got the health message. And their thing was, we trying to, uh, we're trying to help everybody to enjoy it or something to that effect, which brought up the whole compromise thing that we were just reading about. I was really surprised. I'm like, you're going to do all that just to get customers? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's different now, but. That's very interesting. Really That's very interesting. Um, I posed a question to our conference this last week. 
And I just asked them, what is our policy with our food pantries handing out pork? And they said, oh, we don't really have a policy. There's no, there's no set policy about that. And I said, really, we have no policy against our pantries handing out pork? No, we don't really have a policy. Huh. Well, you know, Sister Karen, when I used to be uh, Sister Morgan's assistant, she explained to me that the companies that give out the food, if you say you and I are going to take the pork items, then they take you off their list on donating anything to your food pantry. Yes. But I know what you're saying. You're saying once it comes to the pantry, can we throw it away or something other than passing it out? I see. I understand where you're coming from. Right. But not not only that, Patsy. But that's what we look at Daniel and we think, oh, you know, he had so much faith. He went into a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into a fire. Cannot God provide a different way? These are not the only people providing food. It's just that we, you know, we're taking the easy way out. And it is easiest, you know. But can't we do, couldn't God have done something greater and something more if we would have said, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to support that food bank because they will give people foods that's not any good. A lot of times they're giving the church, you know, and the food banks are giving them stuff that's not, you know, that's on their last leg, past expiration date, et cetera. But the question, my question is, what would have happened for her if she would have sought out something something different. That's what God's looking for. That I just really believe that that's what he wants to do something great for us, but we can't just settle for the least. I remember but sister, I, I was just saying what I was told because I, I was in the, oh. I was involved in that. So I'm guilty because I knew about it and I did ask questions and no, that no, was no. no, you're not guilty because you're not the person making the decision. You did what you you ought to have done was ask a question and she answered the question with this said, I'm gonna be, you know, I don't mean to be rough or mean or whatever, but I will read into that. I don't have enough faith to do anything differently. You did what you were supposed to do. It's not your job to come in and take over, et cetera, et cetera. But I, we have to, including me, we have to push beyond the least. It's so easy for us to do the least. We have to try to do more or do better. And I just think God would do better for us. I believe that. I had mentioned that too before at a different food pantry. And um, and they had the food. And then they, the other excuse is, well, we don't want to throw away all this good food. And I pointed out, that's not good food. That's not <laughs> something you would eat. Why would you give it to somebody else? Yeah. And so I had two problems with it. One is that if we are not even supposed to touch the dead carcass, why are you having your your the, the pickup people pick it up? Secondly, we're putting it we, we have now gone to the expense because most of the pantries that I know of that do that, they have two separate freezers. They put the unclean meats in one and they put the clean meats in the other, which is now you're talking about an outlay for something we never should have be getting, bringing in a financial outlay for something we never should have been getting in or keeping 
you know, to begin with. Uh, so it's so so you you've required your drivers to pick it up, which they shouldn't even be touching it, you know. So you're causing them to compromise, and then you've caused the church to go to an expense for a freezer to keep it in, which you know I, I I'm not sure how that passed the board to get a freezer for the unclean meats. Yeah, it should have just been thrown out. Yeah, either exactly. not picked up at all or thrown out because it's not yeah. worthy of eating. Right. And how do you give Bible studies? And in some of those Bible studies, talk about um, not touching and not eating the swine, but then you're handing it out. A little contradicting. Well, I've seen people wearing gloves and they claim they're not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> but you better not go back and tell them they can't eat it. You just fed it to them. <laughs> well, you know, and so it says to um, Lee and I was talking about the need for Bible studies, which Paula, I still, uh, I forgot about, I studied yesterday, but I'm still on, a, on a willing to do Bible studies. But we talk about how the church members need Bible studies. They just do. And maybe more on Christian living than anything. Basic Bible studies, because I think, and, and I, I think too, that sometimes the leadership I've gone too far trying to appease and not offend anyone. And I'm not saying we have to be offensive, but we have to warn people. You know, it, it, um, I just found out, Karen, from my nephew, he's a, um, he's a, a pharmacist. And he was saying that diabetes is not just caused by the sugar alone, but that mm -hmm. the meat, the fat right. and meat will get onto the receptors or something like that. And, mm -hmm. and then the sugar can't uh, be translated or, or go through where it's supposed to go. So it stays circulating in the blood, stays in the blood. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, we have to be like the messengers. If people don't want to hear it, and we don't have to say it in such a mean way. Can't we say it with love or, or like, you know, like it's just information, just like we talk about anything else. This is just another, you know, informative thing here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that uh, we talk about a spirit of compromise. There's a lot of things that we can and should do differently as a as a church um and we really can't point no fingers at anybody any other kind and karen remember I, now i know where i got that from i was reading that last paragraph and when it gets mm -hmm. to the top of that la of your paragraph that we're on that's where i got mm -hmm. where it says it's a popular uh amusement in which all could engage in a short short uh, sort of comfort um, comparative in innocent and I guess that's frolic because I mm -hmm. I got I put a star over and I think I took a letter out that's mm -hmm. where I got that from mm -hmm. yes uh-huh right right and I, I remember from some past chapters that 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 when they were talking about the amusements it was bingo and those kind of games that that the institution was had I mean you know 
institution was adhering to the, some of the things that they did in the worldly institutions. You know, well, I think when she was, I think when she was talking about this, she was referring back to those people that you know they were getting, telling them if you get stock into the uh, institution and stuff, you know. And so I think she was saying, you know, they were so worried about that that their they had the faith had gone down to where they was making it an amusement that you know, because you got some rich people. As long as you saying they gonna make money, they gonna invest in anything, and then they gonna want to change it to suit them because mm-hmm. they've given the most money or they got the most stock in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, mm. that that is very common that the person or persons who give the most stock have some controlling say-so in what goes on in the institution. One of the things, too, that was a problem, um, we were looking at Lineage Journey. They were talking about how the health institutes were also. And one of the compromising problems was instead of really pushing health reform, and I think Patsy mentioned a little bit about this, it became more of a resort. And they was just getting people in there, just, you know, vacationing and having fun and and going away. And she puts on here that several who came to Battle Creek humble, devoted, confiding Christians went away almost infidels. <laughs> you know, that's terrible to say you going here for a health, healthy retreat, a health institute to come out healthy, and you end up coming out worse than when you went in. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible word. Mercy. Mercy. Kellogg, who, you know, started the cereal looking for an alternative uh, to uh, to protein. And and he got courted by big industry and, you know, left the faith altogether. And we have Kellogg cornflakes to this day and how huge that is. So, um, I mean, the health industry our message is worth trillions of dollars because people are making trillions of dollars on it that aren't at Venice. And that's so funny that a hundred years ago, what she was looking for would, would have been, you know, a pure vegan, you know, Bible-based diet mm-hmm. was unpopular then. So, you know, they compromised or whatever it is they did. Nowadays, people pay, I mean, millionaires pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend weeks at resorts to drink wheatgrass and the sun, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's popular now. fruits and seeds. As the world turns, whatever is popular with people, that's where people go to. But also Kellogg's issue was he became a pantheist, believing that God was in the leaves and the dirt and the everything, you know, and so he fell aside from true faith in the creator God. And that also led him downhill, too. Uh, if anybody's heard of, uh, Paula mentioned Wheaties, but if you've heard of Weetabix, that's like a big cereal overseas, but it's pretty much like cornflakes or Wheaties. That's an Adventist company based in Australia. Huh. Hmm. No, I hadn't heard of that, uh, Lee. But, you know, and then that's another thing where she was, um, what Paula was saying about, it's like, you know, our message and um, the Bible says, I'll make you the head, not the tail above only and not beneath. You know, the message is going to be ahead. You know, for example, she says, I'm just waiting on it. I'm going to try to put it out myself. Then now out of 10 illnesses occur in the mind first, you know, and I'm just a firm believer in that. 
I'm, I'm a very firm believer that you know, your body and mind are working together. If you say, I need rest, but you don't go and lay down, then your body, like a computer, will say, oh, this is what we need. When was the last time we had it? Oh, she was in the hospital for a heart attack. Bam, we got it for her. You know, it Don't would, be scaring mm-hmm. me like that. <laughs> yeah, if you, you know, I'm telling you, if your body is saying to you, take the rest, take the rest. Just go yes. sit down yes. and rest. I mean, and rest means not just, you know, going to sleep. Because sometimes you go to sleep and you're not resting because you're thinking about your problems and stuff. But resting means actually relinquishing all of the care and concerns, you know, relaxing in your mind and in your body so that you can recuperate. I want to give a testimony. And Lakita, it's not against you, baby, because Lakita and Elder Carol, they love me so much. This week, I ended up being a host for our, when I got off Central States Conference Line from our own Sister Powell's uh, line for the Women's Eastern Federation. And it was from 7.15 to 7.45, where I hosted all this week. And then two, two about a week ago, the lady called me from Oak Hill, Seventh-day Adventist Church. So I ended up teaching Vespers at 7 o'clock. And I tell you, I said, even though, you know, I know, you know, the Lord led me in the Holy Spirit, this week, I don't think I got over two hours of sleep. And I just said today, when I, I said my car stopped and AAA got me started and I went on to church. And when I got to church, I just felt like I wanted to just say, Lord, I just want to sit and just listen to somebody teaching me. And, of course, you know, they was like, we need the children's story. So I got up and gave the children's story. But I said, this coming week, I said, And, 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 you know, I said, usually in the evenings I have time to spend quality time with God. So I prayed about it. I said, this week I'm going to go back to saying this is where I'm blocking off. I'm not going to have nothing to do other than to spend some quality time with God. And I can see myself having to be put in one of these institutions. Let me just say, you know, if I was back then, I would have exalted myself till I would have been sick. And I would have needed You know, as Ellen White say, an institution that would have helped me get my strength back instead of saying, well, it's it's for the higher bidder. And I said, and you look at the world, that's what's happening in in the medical fields and stuff. The higher bidder. If those pharmaceutical companies can make money off you, they don't want you to get well. No, but anyway, I gave a testimony on you, Pastor, today about how great you did. What an awesome job you did and stuff. So, but yeah, you know, it is sometimes we can do a little bit much. And then it just might be that, you know, you, it's not new. It's, it's, it's uh, new to you. And in a little while, your body will catch up with the rest of you. But yeah, if you need rest, if the Lord is saying rest, I'm a firm believer. Go rest. Go rest. You don't have to do, keep running. Because if you do, if you, you let's say it, your body's going to get what it needs one way or the other. It's either going to be healthy or it's going to be unhealthy. And when you get to choose your, your points, you get to say, I'm just going to spend this quality time with God by myself in the evening this week, or uh, let me call the ER so I can get in my space in there, you know, and we prefer <laughs> that you just go get rest. Now, one of the things too, Lakita mentioned in verse that the Lord would make us the head and not the tail. So the health message was given to the Adventist church at at that time period to where the church, if, and I'm speaking in general sense, if if we had just stuck with it, you know, we would have been the head 
instead wow. of tail now, just same way with the vegetarian foods. Uh, we were working on the vegetarian foods and then people lost faith and sold out. And now you got these huge conglomerate companies making tons and millions of dollars where they could have been going into the church's coffers, but we ran out of faith and we uh, started compromising and doing more following the world more than following God. But he has put that idea out there for us first to prosper and we end up losing faith. So whenever you get an idea that the Lord has given you and you seem to be the only one out front with it, keep going because he gave it to you so you can be the head and not be coming up later talking about, oh, I could have, should have, would have. It's too late then. Hmm. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, let's move on. So she's saying basically that um, the institution that she was seeing was not the one that was shown to her as an institution for the sick and which would have received the blessings of God. And that this was altogether a totally different thing. And she said they were calculating building more buildings with the money that uh, the large sums of money that were being asked for. And she said that as it was then managed, she could only regard the Institute as a curse, which they, that's a long way from enjoying the blessings of God. It was a curse. And she said, although some were benefited health wise, the influence on the church at Battle Creek and upon brethren and sisters who visited the Institute was so bad as to outweigh basically all the good that was done. And this influence was reaching churches in this and other states and was terribly destructive to the faith, to faith in God and in the present truth. Now, that's really, that's really uh, a statement there that, that, everything was managed so bad and everything was such a curse that, 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 that it was just the, you know, any good that it was, was outweighed by the bad influence that was not just there, that community, but was reaching all over. That had to be pretty bad. And then what does she say in the next little section where it starts with several who came to Battle Creek? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yep. Now you have to wonder how in the world could you go to a place that's basically a hospital? You were full of faith and on fire for the Lord, and you leave and you just you're an infidel. How does that happen? Well, you know what I'm thinking is that like, okay, so you go to church. And in this case, let's like they're having an immersive experience because they're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you're expecting these people, you're going, when you go, you're all, already in a mind state of submissiveness. And you see these people doing, you know, they're not coming out. It's not quite too bad, you know, like uh, the first day you might not play whatever thing, uh, Mama Pig or, uh, you know, what's the one where they throw the dice and, you spin the wheel and yeah, just some craps, you know, gambling. You it, it might not seem that way. Then they might add this, this we know to relax you and relieve stress and alleviate stress and stuff. 
So he said, oh, oh, this is a medical game. <laughs> and so little by little, you start doing the things that you, you know, like someone told me this at Wildwood, that's one of the sanitariums. Sure. Cook meat at Wildwood. Sure. So that you'll know how to cook meat or something, some kind of crazy way that they got it going on, but they'll cook meat. And so it's not, it's not necessarily really promoting you know, like a a, a plant-based diet. They're promoting just, you know, like learning how to cook the meat healthily because people are going to eat it anyway. So they may as well teach it. And then they teach them like how to eat for Christmas and how to eat for this and that and stuff. So I think that's going in the same direction that she was talking about. And if I would have went there, I would have been like, oh, okay. And they would have had some statistics. Oh, people who eat this type of meat, they do well, and this type of meat doesn't cause that. And they would have had some statistics and stuff. I would have came back with saying what they said to me. Hey, you know, they said this about salmon and that about turkey and this about the other thing and stuff. So I think it's easy. People get immersed to those environments. One of the things we always talk about in the discipleship class is you have to hear God's voice for yourself. You know, what he has for you is for you. And if he's telling you, to eat, drink, and do these type of things, then it doesn't matter what other people are saying. Like, for example, the doctors got to where they were uh, telling pregnant women, oh, it's okay to drink a couple glass of wine, you know, you'll be okay. And, and they tell people now, oh, yeah, you should drink coffee. It's good for your brain. You know, that that's what society wants you to do. And so people who were abstaining from those type things, they'll go to the health place they hear them, like Lakita's saying, they'll hear the doctors say, no, you can drink a couple glasses of wine, you know, and, and drink all the coffee because it helps your brain cells. And then you come out of there worse than when you went in. Because when you went in, you were listening to what thus saith the Lord. And when you come out, you're listening to thus saith man. And, you know, I think, too, when Ellen White was looking at this institution, I think her expectations was that those that was going to work there was going to continue to uphold, thus said the Lord. But when money gets involved, for some reason, money changes things. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not picking on, on Adventists, but I know Oakwood, it seems like to me that before they start taking that federal government uh, money or getting federal money or whatever from the government, it was like I never heard of them having teams where they compete against. Because, you know, I said, I can't remember sitting at Northside, and Juwan was like, Mom won't let me play football because it's on Sabbath. And one of the sisters butted in and said, well, when you get ready to go to Oakwood, we don't have no competitions at that school. And I'm like, but now I look at it now, they do have basketball teams and stuff now. I'm not saying that they went away from God's message, but – you know, like I said, I think Ellen White expected that if we're going to open this institution, we're going to get God's people working in there. And I don't, th- I don't think she could have visualized that once money get involved, people will compromise. Well, that could be. I mean, I'm certainly she knew that from dealing with situations like that. And her hope was that that Battle Creek or the, or the the institute there, health institute there, would not suffer that 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 um, fate. 
Yeah, you see that in other institutions too. And now that I think about it, I'm thinking that some of the workers at that hospital I was telling you about, seemed like we saw them outside smoking cigarettes. You know, but also you can think about this in our schools where um, it used to be Adventist teachers and they were church members. And now it's just whoever they can get a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, and their folks, think, you know, they doing whatever they want to do after church. After I think school. they try to uh, get get uh, Christian people and stuff. I, I do. I think they for the for the young kids. I don't know about the the older kids, but I even look at our Sabbath school book and all all the stuff that Sister White writes. They have these writers, and I don't know who these people are. You know, all these from different places and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, all, all the stuff this woman has written. Do they really need to go outside and find somebody else to say what she's already written? I, I'm always amazed at people. Because to me, you know, she's a prophet. And so she either is or she either ain't. And if she is, we don't really need to look to nobody else. That's me. But other people say, well, you know, you give me perspectives, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Lakita, even with Christian education, some of the teachers will leave and and go to a public situation because of the money. Because, you know, I said, especially when, uh, when uh, what's her name? She used to go to Northside, and she ended up working for Central State Conference. But she came to Normandy, and she took a job as a principal. And I kind of asked her, Mason, and I kind of said, Julia, I said, don't the, the school need a principal? And, and her, she looked at me like, uh-uh, I'm making this money from Normandy. And, you know, and th- you because know, I was still working in Normandy, and I kept hearing, you know, St. Louis Unified is looking for a principal, looking for a principal. And I was just shocked. I said, I thought she would be the first one that would stand up in church and say, I'm available. Well, I'm not really shocked at that, Patsy, because I feel like um, if you look at Joseph, Joseph worked – you know, he was in in the uh, in jail. Then he came out, and he was in politics. Right, he was right up there next to Potiphar, so he was in a political space. Now, somebody could have said, "Well, you know, he's up there. Why is he there? He needs to be out doing something, you know, with the rest of the people, or whatever." Or, you know, why would he take that position? And then I sometimes too with our churches and our systems, you know. Um, it's hard to live with what they pay. Yeah, they and need that, to pay those teachers and those principals in yeah, our in our conference. They it, need to pay them. Right, they do and they can, but we don't have the faith. We don't. We just. We just don't. We, we've gone away from from uh, what God wants us to do. It's it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. Well, okay, here's a good one. We but have, the kids they suffer. The kids suffer. The children suffer. Everybody suffers for real. When when uh, we were building Northside Church, then here comes, you know, they had to pluck it down, right? So, you know, we plugged down our $600 for a pew. But then we look up and here comes the pastor at that time driving in a, what, what kind of car was that, Lee? That little car? Uh, Porsche. Driving a Porsche. It's not a good look. It's not a good look because you're asking all these people who are making minimal amount of money to plunk down 600 bucks, which at that point on that day, I made a decision. 
God asks us for an honest tithe and offering, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not getting involved in all the rest of this stuff, you know. I will do something if the Lord tells me, like, with the school, provide, give some money for the school or something like that. But the rest of this stuff, I'm leaving it all alone. So for that situation, Pessy, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say to a person that they shouldn't work for the public school system. I wish our people would, but it's a financial decision. And also, you got to trust that God, hopefully, led them. But you're right. I look at our yeah, schools. But see- my thing was, and especially when since they the unified school, they talking about wait two years. You know, I just thought, you know, there are times, and I, and that's all I can speak is for myself. There are times when I said when I was volunteering, and then they would say, okay, you know, so and so ain't coming in, you can be a sub today. My thing of it is, we have to look far beyond money and start thinking. These are our future. These children. If somebody doesn't teach them, mm-hmm. they're not going to learn it because they can't learn it out there in the street. Yeah, and, 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 and as much as I love public schools because I retired from there, there's certain things they can't do. They can't pray. They don't get to pick up a Bible and, and learn the characters of Christ in there. And so my thing of it is I think back to Ellen White when she's talking about these health institutions. Where, are, are, where is our focus are we going to focus on what does say the Lord? Are we going to focus on how much money can I bring in and how much money can I make? And if the school's not bringing us any money, let's just get rid of them and tell them, come, go find your place. Into My thing of it is, sometimes we have to realize that the rewards we get is never going to be here on earth. God's told us that. Our reward is in heaven. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree with you on that, too. I, I think we definitely need to take care of our children. I believe that church school is definitely, uh, it's very, very important, and especially now when we have the alternative lifestyles coming in into the curriculum and stuff. So I could definitely agree with you, but I also can see it from the perspective of, you know, people got to live, and sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes, and, I, and, I just... and, and like I said, you, you know, she she let she was really nice about it, and she understood. But like I said, you're right. She, you know, she here she is trying to raise a family. She got a husband, and so you know, and I, I don't think you know, I don't think she she thought I'm not good, and that you know the the school wasn't important. She was just letting me know that you know, Normandy was paying more money. I think one of the challenges of the church has always been. In- still is we have to remain progressive without compromising you know we can have new technology we can use new methods but we still have to stick up for the principles of god's word and sometimes when a lot of money comes into the equation people lose sight of god's principles and then they confuse uh being progressive with following the world's lead and again we're called to be the head not the tail we shouldn't be following the world the world should be following us as God's children. Yeah, and I think too, Patsy, sometimes I'm, you know, I'll, I'm completely in agreement with you. I'm just bringing up some other scenarios. I think sometimes, Patsy, when we are working in the church, whether it's for pay or not for pay, I think people begin to take it for granted. They feel like they don't have to because you're going to always be there. And um, they don't they don't even try to, um, you know, support, encourage, provide 
because they just feel you at some point they just take you for granted. Now we know you're working for the Lord, but it's also, um, you're also, in my opinion, working for God when you're out there working in what we call the world. So I, I just think sometimes a thank you, um, a bonus, something that says we acknowledge you goes a long way. And I, and I don't think that our church is good as that either. I mean, I don't think, well, let me see now our church. Churches are good at that because it's not just within the Adventist home. You know, what you're saying is all around. Yes, 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 it is. Okay, um, <laughs> let's bring it back to the lesson. <laughs> that was the lesson. <laughs> I say that was part of the lesson. If yeah. they could do this to health institutions, it it it, it ventured out to other institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Um, um. Okay, we're on paragraph 634.2. And uh, she, at this point, felt like she needed to speak out. Um, and, and she does so. We are, we are not in testimony number 13. And actually, we're a long way from testimony number 13. So at the point that we get to testimony 13, maybe we will reference and remember that she's talking about the, the health reform message there. Uh, and we can remember some of the things that she spoke about um, leading up to that. Um, but she knew that her speaking out in testimony 13 would bring a reaction and, and, and a trial in many people's minds. And uh, but she knew that the reaction must come. And she felt like it would be better for it to come sooner rather than later. And... Um, she said, if matters have, have been moving in the wrong direction to the injury of precious souls and the cause generally, then the sooner that this could be checked and basically taken care of then and, and things be properly directed, the better. So in other, in other words, the sooner that a change in course could be addressed and made, then the better. Uh, and she said, the further the advance, the greater the ruin, the greater the reaction, and the greater the general discouragement. So she said the misdirected work must have such a check and there must be time to correct the errors and then begin again in the right direction. So um, she just felt like it was her duty to jump in there and at that point just say what needed to be said to try to get on track. I have a question. Why is it, and, and, and I see it throughout Ellen White's writing, why is it that when she spoke against something, they assumed that, and, and, and quite a few, you know, she, like I said, she uses people's initials. They felt like she was the problem. But she was, she was speaking in the terms of letting the Holy Spirit lead her. And I see that today, that there are certain ones when they speak up at the church, other people be like, see, they got the devil in them. I'm like, how can you judge that? When what, what if the Holy Spirit has told them to open their mouth and speak boldly? And I'm like, I just, like I said, the more I read about Ellen White and some of the things she, you know, she says, you know, I feel it, you know, it is my duty to do such and such with thus said the Lord. And I just think, you know, sometimes people get a bad rap when they speak up and they're speaking 
through the Holy Spirit, they're, they're gently saying it. They're bringing, bringing it to somebody's attention. They're looking for that, you know, that person uh, to, to help them along the way. And others take it as they're a troublemaker. I think that's because a lot of people don't have the connection with the Holy Spirit that they think they have. They don't have the discernment that they think that they have. And so they're walking around, puffing themselves up, thinking that they have this connection and thinking that they have this discernment when really they don't. And so when they look at someone else, they believe that that person is the one that doesn't have it, don't have the discernment and don't have the Holy Spirit rather than themselves and that they are a proper judge of what that other person has because they're looking at themselves rightfully. But one thing I'm beginning to understand about people who have not received the love of the truth is that they, everything is, I'm going to say, skewed in their, in their eyesight. Everything is off in their line of sight. I'll put it like that. Okay. And so, and so even their memories, when they start, you know, remembering things, their memories are even off. <laughs> so... You know, when you haven't received the love of the truth, everything is off. Another thing, too, reason people rebel, because nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be told that they're not doing it right or that they could do it better. Uh, even the scripture says that no chastisement is pleasant for the present, but it brings about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And if when it, people if are it, correcting it, us. We don't want to hear that. You know, who do you, who you think you're talking to? You're doing stuff worse than me. That's how human nature responds. But the Lord is telling us that we can learn from corrective criticism, from uh, constructive criticism. It don't have to yeah. be somebody just calling you out and, and being rude and mean to you. But they might just be trying to point a person in the right direction, but our human nature gets in the way and says, I ain't got to take that from you, even though you feel like they're correct. So now you're feeling convicted and guilty. And that's why people re respond the way they do, because nobody likes to be corrected. You know, if people, mm -hmm. after you give them a chance to think it through and the Lord softens their heart, they might come back and say, hey, you know, you was right about that, you know, and I didn't respond properly or whatever. But yeah, people respond in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like Peter. You know, they was like, hey, wasn't you with him? No, I don't know him. Yeah, you do. You, I don't know him. I say, I don't know him. <laughs> no, uh-uh, because you even talk like them. What? And then they try to talk like the street people. You ain't be telling me what to do. I know that I don't be knowing him. <laughs> But, but you know, I've, all, I've always said to myself, if the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me, I would rather have a church member to tell me that I'm doing something wrong, especially if I'm doing it, I may not know that, you know, this is not the way to do it, and I got a better way, and let me show you, because then I know they're concerned about teaching me the correct way. I don't care if it's bacon, I'm, I'm going to use, for an example, bacon or cake. They may say, well, you know, you need to add this first and let it, you know, let it mix. And then, but my thing of it is a real church member that loves you and that has the, the love of God in their heart, 
they will not let you just make a mistake. They can pull you to the side. They can call you, and they'll say, you know, if you read such and such or, you know, this is what I'm going to you know, give you a little advice on. And I said, and you know that that person is sincere because they didn't get you in a crowd of people and say, girl, let me tell you, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, and you know what that's going I said, those, and it brings unity when you know a brother and sister can do that and to help you, and they're sincere with it. It brings unity. It does. I think we have to be aware, too, that sometimes there's people who you don't want to approach like that. You know, the scripture says, don't cast your pearls before swine. So if you know this person responds in an aggressive, angry mood, no matter what somebody says, that ain't somebody that I'm really willing to approach like that. Now, I might the Lord might lead me to a different approach that might work, but everybody, you just can't approach the same way. I agree. I agree, Elder. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so then the next paragraph basically talks about the church at Battle Creek. And basically we read we read about that in an earlier chapter, how um there were reforms at the church at Battle Creek because um the Holy Spirit was working and, and a lot of people admitted their wrongs. There were some that didn't, some that didn't want to hear it, some that turned away from it. But there were many that admitted their wrongs and the Lord did a, a good work there. And so um, she talks about how um, there was a thorough reform there and turning to the Lord by physicians, helpers, and managers at the Health Institute. And she talks about the general agreement of the brothers and sisters in all parts of the field relative to the great object of the Health Institute and the manner it should be conducted. And then added to that is the varied, varied experience of more than one year. So um, that was good because now when you turn it in the right direction, it give, gave her confidence that the health reform and the health institute would prove a success. So she finally hoped that the health institute at Battle Creek would prosper in every respect. Um, but it would take time to fully correct and outgrow the errors of the past. But she said with the blessing of God that could and would be done. So um, just have to keep pressing forward. And, once on the right track, just have to keep pressing forward. Um, let's see. We're going to go just a little bit further, and then we're going to um, end. Uh, and maybe a couple more paragraphs will end for today. Um, in the next paragraph, let's see, we're in paragraph. 635.2. Um, she talks about how the doctors, let me see a minute. I'm sorry, wait a minute. Um, she talks about how the brethren who have been at the head of the work, the health reform work in the health institute, uh, had appealed to the people for money on the ground that the health reform is part of the great work connected with the third angel's message. 
And in this they were right. And it is a branch of the great charitable, liberal, sacrificing, benevolent work of God. But then they turned around and then also said, Stockton Health Institute will pay a large percent and that it's a good investment and a paying thing. Well, she had a problem with that because she said, well, uh, why not talk about the stock and stock in the publishing association paying a large percent? And she said the, the two branches were of the same great closing work of preparation for the coming of the son of man. So why not make them both matters of liberality? And so she said that, but they didn't, they didn't hold out the publishing fund as with such an inducement. So why then she said represent to the wealthy, this, the wealthy and covetous Sabbath keepers that they could do great good by investing their means in the health institute. And at the same time, retain the principal and also receive large percent for the simple use of it. So basically, you know, why, why retain the principal, gain money off of that, and then uh, you just line, like, like I said earlier, line your pockets. And, and remember when I said, Sister Karen, I said, you know, it's a ripple effect when it's it when one uh, institution is not doing right, then the other ones suffer also because of the fact, like you said, there's so much so much back then people were lining their own pockets where no institution seemed to be getting what God intended for them to get because there was interference with that almighty dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about it is, well, I remember when we read the section about the publishing house and, and how sacred the work was and how, you know, there were young people in there that were just, you know, chatting frivolously in the back rooms and stuff and how that really hindered the atmosphere where it should have been the Holy Spirit that was back there, but it wasn't because the, the people that were back there were not taking the work seriously. So can you imagine you know, having people that that only were concerned about their paycheck in the in the uh, health institute, and they were not concerned about the actual health of the people that were there. They just were there for their paycheck, and so. But don't and, we see that today? But it's it's even at a larger scale now. Right, right, and don't we? You know, it's funny because um, you know. Uh, we have a family member that's in a rehab right now, and uh, we were there uh, kind of late one evening visiting, and there was a lady there that um, she should have gotten off work some hours earlier, and she said, oh, I never get off until, I think she, it was like really late, like uh, I want to say, I'm just going to say 11 o'clock when she was supposed to get off at maybe 3 I'm just going, I, I don't remember the exact time, but it was a lot, a lot, a lot later than she was supposed to get off. And uh, so she and she stayed there because of the people that she was caring for, which was love. She wasn't really there for her paycheck. Of course, she got more, I guess, if she stayed and got the overtime, but she wasn't there for that. She was there because of the people, because of the patients. And, it, it, and, and I'm sure those people feel the difference between someone that's just there for a paycheck versus someone that's there 
because they care about them. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she, you know, she was. That's like my daughter when she worked at the elderly home. Mm-hmm. I said those people when I picked her up, and she, you know, she has she had told her boss, "Well, I'm going to Indiana to visit my grandparents," and she said, "My grandfather's not feeling well." Well, those people were those little people got them wheelchairs, and they was like, "Miss D, where are you going?" And she said, "I'll be back." She said, "I can't tell them I'm going out of town." But when she went out of town, her boss called and said. You're, you're Miss D's mom, and I laugh because, you know, we knew each other. He said, we're having a mess. She said, they won't take the medicine. They think Miss D has quit. I said, I'll call Indiana and tell her. So when I told her, she said, I'm just going to come back early. She said, and one of mine, she said, I know. She said, I got to, she said, you got to pick me up at night. She said, because she don't get that medicine. She don't realize that she could go into a coma. She said, but she won't take it from nobody. So she called her boss and this little lady had locked herself in the bathroom at the, at the, at the elderly home. So when Delana came in and I picked her up, I think it was like two in the morning. She went straight there. She didn't even get a chance to drop her luggage off at home or nothing. She just went straight there. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is hard to. Uh, well, first of all, it's hard to balance it. It's hard to balance your own personal financial needs with your job. You know, if you need to eat, you need your electricity going and stuff. Um, then that's that's going to come in and factor into your work. You know, and sometimes it's kind of a difficult thing to say to a person you know uh keep working for free because i don't know too many people that's going to do it for real you know they're just going to work for free and stuff uh they'll do volunteer work for a minute but that's not going to be a permanent uh, thing for them so i think it's hard it is hard when you i'm in business for myself and always have been and it's hard not to count the cost of bible even says Will a man count the cost before he count the cost before he take up you know an assignment or a work job or whatever? So you have to count the cost and you have to be sure that what I do I'm going to be able to still eat, drink, sleep, and be healthy on this and stuff. So, but I have I've, it's it's not an easy task, and you know if you say to a person that I just hate to say it if you say. Well, Lakita, here's a client and they pay $5. And here's a client and they pay $500 an hour. Which one do you want? What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> right. You know, but Lakita, you're in a job that you, you're in there because that's what you like doing. I don't understand how these people go in the health field. And they, and they, they like, you, like Karen was saying, uh, she found one that was concerned about the people. That's why she stayed late. But you got so many now that's going in the health field because they know it's it's needed. That they're in there for the paycheck. They don't care about the people at all. Yeah, it's it is, especially when you get into the elderly people. Um, for whatever reason, people have a feeling, you know, like well, they old, so it don't matter, right? They they old anyway. It doesn't matter. So people have that feeling. It's very hard to find people who really does care about what they're doing, you know, and I, and some of it, I think it's just everybody's overwhelmed with the sin problem. I mean, so many people are sick. So many people are mentally sick. So many people are poor and so many people are victims of crime. So many people are criminals. It's hard. Now, if you were 
back in the day, you know, when its prison cells wasn't overran and so many, many people in there crowding up and stuff. Well, you might be able to find that diamond in the rush, rush in the rough, the person who, you know, all you need to say is a few good words to them and steer them in the right direction. Now you have to sift through 200 of them to, <laughs> to find out. I think people are impatient. People are tired. People are overwhelmed. And yes, they don't get paid enough because now they got to leave this job and go work another job. Now, I don't know why we're working so hard, why, why we need so much, but it is the way it is. You know, but I do agree that you, I mean, that's one thing that scares me is I don't want to go into an elderly center. I really don't. That's why I said I should have had about eight kids. Yeah. I remember years ago, Pastor Rice was talking about he would like to on his on the property that they own open up a hospital. He said, and he said, and, and get many Adventists working there. And he, and you know, and he kept saying that's going to be my goal. He said my goal is to open up a hospital on on this property. And I I still say St. Louis, as big as this place is, we could benefit from opening up a health, even a hospital, for you know, for those that you know. Not only just for Adventists, but those that's going to work in there with the Adventist Christians that would uphold God's God's laws. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be a nice thing. I I think we could use more health stuff. And but you see, I mean, it's like, can y'all do y'all see this? You going down on Kings Highway, and I think it's Kings Highway. And they're just building, Wash U is building more hospitals, more hospital rooms, more. I mean, like they planning on people getting sick. It's just crazy. Well, they're, I don't know if they're planning on people getting sick, but they're just trying to house because they don't have enough room for all those that are trying to come in that are sick. Right. You know? You know, but in order for that to work, Karen, they got to have people who are going to be sick. <laughs> well, know? That's like this. I kind of wondered to myself, like, how come you know no one is trying to just really, really put that message out there? Look, y'all, start eating right. Start, you know, like they told you, you know, if you you know do some exercise and you'll feel better and stuff. You know, how come I don't? You're the first person I've heard really. Uh, I know that Patsy goes and has you know, some um, water therapy and stuff. But I, I don't know a lot of people that gets that type of treatment from their doctor. I know when I went to the doctor, the first thing they said was surgery. As I did my research, you know, get hip replacement. In 10 more years, you're going to need another one. And not only that, but uh, if you try to do things the natural way, then you, your uh, joints can grow back can you know you can get healed although everything says you can't i've read that you can um but no one's saying this stuff you know mm. mm -hmm. not that many and, and they told you know sound like they talked to you it was on the down low it wasn't like oh yeah this is what we tell everybody mm -hmm. uh i want to cover this one last part and then we'll stop for today so um she was talking about how money was raised for the publishing company, uh, the publishing association. And she said that a call went out to the brethren 
to donate to it. And they nobly and cheerfully sacrificed unto the Lord. Sacrifice, which means that they came out of their pockets and they weren't expecting anything in return. And they received the blessing of the Lord. She said, but the, the, the displeasure of the Lord was upon the way that money was being raised for the, for the health institute and that his blessing would not be upon the institution until this wrong was corrected. And so she said, with respect to the health institute, she was shown that there is no lack of means, meaning no lack of money among Sabbath keeping Adventists. But she said, at the present, their greatest danger is in their accumulation of property. And she said, some are continually increasing their cares and labors. They are overcharged. And the result is that God and the wants of his cause are nearly forgotten by them. They are spiritually dead. And they are required to make a sacrifice to God, a sacrifice to God, an offering. A sacrifice does not increase, but it decreases and is consumed. So <laughs> when it comes to sacrificing to God, basically you're lining, and even though God doesn't need it, you are giving. You're not receiving, you're giving. And when you give, it's consumed by whatever the cause is that you're giving to or whatever the purpose is that you're giving to. So you're not lining your pockets. You're giving it away and it's gone. Any comments on that? You know, it's interesting. But you know what God says, it, it, uh, when you give, he'll open up the windows, where, and you'll have so many blessings you can't count them. And sometimes we always want to count the blessings that is that's dealing with money. What about the blessing of just giving you the breath of life every morning? See? Yep. Absolutely. I've never, went in terms of sacrificial giving, I never looked at it the way it was just explained how. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't increase, it decreases, and then it's consumed. Mm -hmm. I guess in a way what she's saying is don't be expecting nothing back because mm -hmm. this is a sacrifice you made for God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And when we think about it, <laughs> Jesus gave all. He gave his life. He's not asking us to do that. Mm -mm. But he's saying, when you do give, let it be a sacrifice. Don't expect something back. And you know what brings my attention to that? All week, and I, I kind of click the news on and off, on and off, is just think the sacrifice that the people that's in the military are doing. And to be told that you may be doing it for free. And I mean, I think there's some other people that it's going to affect, but I just thought God is really going to, to weed out his, his people that are going to be faithful because some of those people, they have families, but they have said, I want to protect our freedoms here in the United States, and they're going to stay on their job and, and, and do as thus said the Lord. Look out for other people besides themselves. Yeah. Isn't that so noble? That's really good. I'm glad that people will do that. Mm -hmm. you know? 
Because, mm-hmm. you know, my family has a lot of people that are still in the military. But I just said the Holy Spirit, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a, a testimony for Christians in general. To see these men and women giving their lives to protect us, and yet they have nothing. They don't, all they have is to trust the God that he will provide for his, their families because he's made a promise to them. And many of our, our military people, they do know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that people are going to be um, in these decisions that people are making that are selfish-minded and stuff. I always feel like you'll get a sense that that stuff comes back to you. You know what I'm saying? Your family. People think, oh, they got so much money. Nah, I'm a firm. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. So mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff, you people so high and mighty and just, it's crazy what's going on in Washington right now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and people are going to pay for that. God is not pleased that you withhold a person's pay. They've, they've given a fair way, a fair work day for a fair wage, and you're supposed to return that to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, yeah, God has so many ways of blessing us. I had a guy come and look at my roof this week, mm-hmm. just because it, it's been some years since I had my roof replaced. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of storms since then. And I just want I just wanted somebody to just check it. And uh he checked it and he said, There's no problems with your roof. And I said, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, because those are things that God blesses us with when we're faithful. You know, it's not always material things, it's keeping your money in your pocket sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, or um, even giving you the right mind to get up and to do his will. Yeah, that too. That too, so that he can bless you even more. Isn't that something? <laughs> but this week, I feel like there was the Holy Spirit keeping my mind together on what I was supposed to be doing at what time and, and to get it done. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all the Holy Spirit. It is. And the thing about it is, Patsy, is that when you keep your mind on what he wants you to do and you do it, there's blessings behind that. Doing his will, you know. So. He's an amazing guy. He's just an amazing guy. And and he delights in blessing us. You know. Well, for those that will be going to the one day women's retreat over in Illinois, keep everybody in mind for Traveling Mercies. Mm-hmm. Are you going, Patsy? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Well, we'll definitely keep you in mind. Um, okay, Lee, where are we uh, next week? Uh, we're in the book, Christian Service. And we are on... The subparagraph, a fatal mistake. Okay. A, a fatal Elder, Elder mistake. Kirk, is that chapter seven or chapter eight? Uh, I think it's seven. But okay. It might be eight, so just look for the subchapter, fatal mistake. Fatal mistake? Yeah. Fatal mistake. 
Yeah, okay. fatal, saying it is a fatal mistake to suppose the work of soul saving depends alone upon the ministry. Kind of okay. continuation of what we did last time. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and pray out. And then we had a question that we wanted to ask the class real quick. So, Patsy, can you stay on for just a few more minutes? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Um, Lakita, would you pray us out? Yes. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and for the Sabbath hours, dear Father. Lord, we ask that you would help each of us to um, do your will, to work out according to your purpose for our lives, dear Father. Dear Lord, we ask that you would help us to not um, turn away or not to let money be our motivating factor in anything that we do, dear Lord, because we know that you take care of us. And all that we need, dear Lord, you will supply and have supplied. And even before we ask, dear Lord, we thank you for your sustaining hands on the on our homes, on our lives, on our uh, keeping our illnesses or uh, diseases that will try to get us, keeping that in check, dear Lord. And Father, we ask that this week, may we reach out to some person with hope and with genuine love and care. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Amen. class. Thank you for joining us for the class today and we will see you next week.